What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Stallion, there's a lot of reasons why today's podcast is so important. One, I think that what you track grows and what you track and report on grows exponentially. And when it comes to our passive income journey, we need tools, man. We got to have tools that are keeping up with where we're putting money. And I know you and I have spent so much time like trying to build spreadsheets so poorly, by the way, so poorly. <laughs> but in, in our effort to try to better understand what have we done with money? And I just wonder, like, how much is it costing us to not know what actually is happening with our money? And because we don't know and don't understand it and not tracking it, what is it preventing us from getting to? Oh, I totally agree. And I think as you are on your journey to understanding, how do I make the most of every dollar? right? What I'm investing, should I be doing more? Is this returning what I expected it to be? Um, is this operator the one I should go further with? Or am I just going to stop with this one investment with that one operator? These are all questions that become very clear when you have the right software, you have the right inputs, the inputs equal the outputs, right? And I think back and I say, and what, what would it have been like if we started with this software mm. in our journey? <laughs> I mean, we, like you said, we're not gifted in the spreadsheet arena, but man, it, it before now, I didn't know that there was ever such a thing that existed. You, you know, every other platform out there that you and I looked at had all these limitations. It would never be able to take in alternative investments and be able to track them the way that Latan Yahav's uh, visor.co was able to do. And well, so it, I'm not surprised that, uh, that there was a need for it in the market. Well, as a business owner, right, we know that it's so important for us to make decisions for the business, right, to, in order to be able to give direction to the business that you're running. Now, your direction, if you're just running your own personal investment business, right, that's still a business. In order to give direction to the business, you have to have good data. Without good data, you can't make good decisions. And I think that this tool is so important for us to be utilizing that we actually struck up a partnership with um, Advisor and was able to get a discount for you in the community. We're going to be offering this um, and putting together some cool things on the back end. We'll talk about that later. But man, if you're interested in finding a way to track your passive income, track your financial progress, be able to get access and see what other people are doing with their own money, this podcast interview is going to be amazing for you. But also, you can get a 10% discount. Go to Visor, that's V Y Z E R 
visor.co, not come. So visor.co backslash wealth without Wall Street and get a 10% discount. Join us on this journey because I'm just so excited, Stallion, that we get this access. So let's take no more time away from this interview. Let's jump in uh, with Litan Yabov. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Tribe, you're in for a treat today. We have Latan Yahaf in the studio. So glad to have you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, Latan, grateful to have you. Grateful to to dive deep into not only your backstory, but also um, this amazing product that you're bringing to the market that we're looking forward to to utilizing both personally, but in our communities. Uh, but everybody loves to know the man behind the product, right? Like, wh- why? why you even considered this, but even before there was Visor, right? There was another business, there was other things that was going on. So give us a little background uh, to who you were personally and, and what made you become an entrepreneur, what made you think that that was the path for you? Right, well, I, I'd love to give you guys a, a little background. Um, so personally, so I'm 40 years old, married, I have three kids. Um, I, I live in Israel, moved here when I was a kid and served in the Navy here for six years, uh, which is usually mandatory military service here in Israel. Then went to school, uh, studied law and business, and then founded a company at the end of school out of uh, an entrepreneurship program, which is funded by Sam Zell, who has these three entrepreneurship programs he funds, one in Israel and two in the US. And the idea of this program is sort of, you get together a bunch of cool people and with some sort of aspiration to build something and then you're split into teams and for out a year you go from ideation phase of building a startup finding an idea a problem you want to solve market research building it and then wherever it goes so we were lucky enough to be a, a good team of people and we found this really crazy industry that had a lot of problems and this might be a little shocking but we found ourselves in the diamond industry in this archaic industry where everything was sort of like very old fashioned family run businesses, but tons of money rolling through it. And one of the, one of the things we found that happened in that industry is you, you, you reach these diamond buildings where a lot of exchange happens, but when you, it's super secure, like high end security, super hard to get in. But once you go in, it's like 50 years back in the past, you have people walking through hallways with diamonds full of diamonds and, with uh, uh, suitcases full of diamonds and and long hallways with doors, handwritten notes saying, I'm looking to buy this in this type of diamond. I'm looking to sell this in this type of diamond. Just like these brokers knocking on doors and going into rooms with suitcases looking to buy and sell diamonds. Pretty insane. And and that happens like five or six locations around the world, like hubs for diamond exchange. And we're like, shit, like we're in the 21st century. How can you trade diamonds that way? Let's see what we can do in terms of tech. And, and, um, one of the advantages was we had no background in the industry. So for us, there are no, no limitations. What, now, was my wife in the hallway that you were walking down? <laughs> she was 
Should we just tell me about some diamonds? Um, well, I, I was thinking, Joey, that investment in that diamond stock you made was like part of this, you know, availability. Yeah. Was there some joker with a big T-shirt that said CMKX diamonds that just totally bankrupted? Because I'm still looking for that joker. It's a crazy industry. Dude. I mean, it's so it's so crazy. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah. So people fly around the world with diamonds, trading them, paying a lot of money and just an insane way of trading diamonds and and also like you imagine a diamond you think of a diamond on a ring proposing to your your girlfriend or, or your fiance or whatever and a diamond actually from the moment it comes out of the ground it used to go between five different people and companies until it reaches that that engagement ring and that whole trade is super inefficient because it can come the diamond can come out of the, of the ground in africa and then 95 percent of diamonds go to india to be polished and they're polished in India and then they're traded to Hong Kong and then from Hong Kong to Belgium and from Belgium to a store in New York and then sold to someone. And so that whole trading is sort of like really inefficient. People ship them around the world. They fly with them, risk getting robbed and all that stuff. And so we did, you said, well, we're in the 21st century. Why can't we just create a really good image of a diamond, like a 3D image that you can play with online? And instead of sending the diamond, you just send an image of the diamond. Um, and so we built a machine that you can put in a diamond, photograph it from many different angles and creates really high resolution 3D image that basically replicates holding the diamond in your hand even better than holding it in your hand. And yeah. then instead of shipping the diamond, you ship this 3D image. And so. So you guys are, are in there with a whole new set of eyes. You're, you're finding an opportunity to, to bring technology that can then let you know, Joey's wife not have to travel across the world, you know, sit in, sit in a, you know, random shop. Cause that's what happens, right? Like we're, we're down in, um, the, the bridges, uh, in the Virgin islands a year ago and like, Oh, by the way, our guy over here, you go see him, his name's, you know, Jip, you know, Jonah and he's got you know he gets the best shipment in diamonds you go talk to him and you're like okay so I got to ride like a third world taxi cab to a back alley to you know meet the guy like that just seems like ridiculously shady and by the way they know it's a US tourist so I'm sure I'm getting the best price possible right like, <laughs> why wouldn't I <laughs> this seems like an option that may be a little simpler well, I mean, I'm not even talking about that. That might be true. I, 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 I believe that still exists, but imagine that Jonah did the same process with five other dealers when he went and bought and sold other diamonds. That's the process that we made more efficient. We were bought by a company that is solving that last mile that you just uh, um, mentioned. So these online plat like websites, um, these e-commerce websites, the one that bought us is, is one that's called jamesallen.com. And there are a few others, these leading websites that you can go on and buy an engagement ring. And every diamond on those websites is now photographed with our tech. So when you interact with those diamonds, you can really see everything within them. And then you can decide, well, this is a diamond I want to buy. This is not the diamond I want to buy. And so that's sort of like what we did, what we did. Now, how, here's a question that the entrepreneurs want to know. How did you know it was the right time to get out, right? Because you guys sold that business. What was that process like? How did you know that was the right time? And what were some of those tips that you could share with somebody who's thinking about selling a company either now or in the future? So this is a company that sort of, it's a, it's a startup that you raise funding for, right? Like you would a real estate deal, right? Only a different mindset because you raise funding for these startups in order 
to grow it, either raise more funding, at some point maybe become profitable, but the end goal usually is either to raise more money or go IPO or exit, right? And we had uh, the opportunity at some point pretty early on, we got an offer. We weren't looking, but we got an offer. Why don't we sell the company to this bigger company than us? The, the sale will be both in cash and stocks. And this company had the potential to be so much bigger than ours. And, and that really is what happened at the end, right? Because we sold the company, we got cash and we got equity in this parent company that three years later was bought by a huge company, like a multi-billion dollar company, public company that bought them. And so that was sort of like the thought process. So can we do one plus one equals three? And so there was synergy in that, in that acquisition. So, so tell us then what happened from there for you? Like, was there this influx of cash now, I got to do something with it. Did that start you down investing in other asset class or would you just use that for seed money for the next thing? So we made money. I can't, we didn't make tens of millions of dollars, but we made enough. And, and at that point there was some PR and stuff like that. And we got approached by a bunch of wealth managers and financial advisors and these multifamily offices and stuff. And we're like, no, we're good. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I do believe in the public markets. I just don't believe in trading anything. I'm just going to go buy a, an index and, and fire and forget that and then go invest in something more interesting. And also keep in mind that in Israel, the whole uh, uh, retirement standardization is mandatory. So the equivalent of the 401k in Israel, you don't have a choice as an employee or as an employer. You have to have a 401k equivalent, right? So everyone who has a job in Israel is in this mindset that, you have your you have a retirement set up for you, and so when you get this extra excess cash, doesn't matter if it's fifty thousand dollars, a million, ten million, you go and look for ways to generate more wealth out of that money. And so we always joke about the fact that you might have fifty thousand dollars aside in Israel, and you go find a guy you know who does apartments in Berlin and give him fifty thousand and go invest in an apartment you've never seen before, just because that's like common things that people do here. Um, and so for us, it was like, all right, we know a guy who knows a guy. Let's start doing this. And we started to invest in Europe and in the U.S. real estate. And our first two acquisitions, we bought two single-family homes in Ohio through a guy that we we never saw these properties. We had a property manager. It was like full turnkey solution, supposedly. And at the same time, we also knew some other guys that were doing syndications, and we put some money with them. This is me and my co-founder. We did sort of everything at the same time. Um, and sort of like we started doing that, and. And after a year, we saw we ship these single-family homes, even though we've never seen them, and we have a property manager. There are a lot of work, um, a lot of problems, and we're making more returns on these syndications and not doing anything. We're like, we're not going to do this anymore. Only like only write checks to, to operators, syndicators, find people, good people we can trust, and just invest with them. And that's what we've been doing for the past eight years. Uh, and it just expanded with more and more people that we know and met throughout the process. So the, the the conflict of what most people deal with is that they're they're trying to find a place to put money, don't know, and then they have to trust the friend of the friend of the friend that's going to be the right deal. Thankfully, in your situation, you guys had enough money that you could kind of wait through some of the crap, if you will, to find some some of the better deals. But still, now you now you're seeing that fruit. What what's next? Like why why? What, what did that lead you to, I guess, because we're obviously we, we know there's a beautiful technology you've created called Visor, but what made you even think about why Visor should exist 
something had to happen between investing in those deals and now. A hundred percent. Well, I mean, for us, it was always trying to be as passive as possible. And so when you, you know, you allocate money into these operators, into these funds, GPs, and sort of we'd, we'd be receiving, you know, emails every quarter, cash in and out of our bank accounts. And we put relatively small checks, but in many deals to diversify and make sure that we sort of um, have exposure to people we can trust in multiple in different markets. And then sort of we receive emails and we're like, oh shit, I don't even remember how much I invested with this guy and, and how much, and like how much, when, and then, you know, cash flow coming in or out and, like, and you know, what is it, what is this related to? And our spreadsheet just kept on breaking. And three years ago, we decided, screw this. We're in tech. Let's find an engineer. We'll build us a piece of software to automate managing our wealth because we just couldn't find anything out there. We just had to build it ourselves. And so like, we just started to do that for us. And then a bunch of friends wanted it as well. And then we're like, wait, there might be a lot of people like us in the world. Let's, let's, let's research this, talk with as many people as possible. I think around then, by the way, I, I heard about you guys and I started listening to your podcast. That was like three years ago, I think. Um, and so anyway, so, I, so we built this for ourselves, a bunch of friends wanted it as well. Then we were like, all right, let's research this, spoke with a bunch of people and found out that there are millions of people like us, specifically in the US, that are invested in these types of deals that have, that have wealth, that have created complex portfolios, and basically they're screwed with a spreadsheet. Wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, I mean, for those of you that are just listening, you're not seeing it visually, go to our YouTube and you can see what we're doing here. Um, are you talking about a spreadsheet like this? <laughs> like, I'm just saying as an example, I might have a hypothetical spreadsheet. No, nothing is, yeah, there's nothing as, you didn't have anything nearly as complex as this, I'm sure. Like they, <laughs> the, that, the intellect behind this one was probably far beyond what you guys were thinking. But Dude, I, there's a bar chart on this one, okay? Like, got two bars. Uh, this is nice. This is nice. I won't compare. I won't compare spreadsheets, but but this is nice. This is complex as well. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the passive income operating system, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income it makes all the steps come together if you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener we've never given this away in public before go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash p-i-o-s there was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying pop quiz day why because you were unprepared are you unprepared though for financial freedom don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. But here's the thing, Tribe, I want you to, I guess, get your head around. If you are early in the investing game, the things that Latan is talking about are these alternative investments don't have a place in the standard, like, software components that exist to track your money. like. Um, what would like give us an example of one of those that people might use for personal finance, but these, these like alternative investments just don't have the uh, con connectivity to those types of software. Right. I mean, I mean, there are amazing budgeting apps out there, 
there's Mint and there's Personal Capital and there's some amazing platforms that are, are good for probably most people, to be honest, right? Because if, if all you have is a, is a 401k, uh, a home you live in and a car- By the way, Vitan, please, I, I am going to ask you to stop cursing <laughs> on our show, like things like that, that terrible acronym 401k, like please don't use that ever again uh, on our show. But anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> If you have a public market portfolio and a house and a car, which is great, um, you're good with those platforms I mentioned, right? But once you add in an alternative investment, it's like, oh shit, there's no place to track all that stuff. And when you have multiple, it's even more hard, more difficult, um, right? And you can go into examples and stuff, but that's sort of the gist of it. Well, right? no, I, I, I know what you're saying because like there was a platform that I was trying to use and while it would connect to certain accounts, the syndications, I didn't have that connection, right? So like to your point, it sounded like you were dealing with the thing I was dealing with. It's like, well, how much did I invest? How much have I gotten back? I mean, Joey and I, that, that list he showed you, right? We, we've done 20 or 30 different deals uh, over the last you know five or six years. And we have... a. a a least a less impressive spreadsheet off to the side that's trying to keep up with that. That's trying to keep up with how much money did we put in and then how much money are we getting back out of it? Because that's what you're trying to figure out. Did I make money in that deal? Because at the end of the day, should I reinvest? You remember that one crappy uh, single family home that constantly was a headache and you're like, I'm never doing that again. But sometimes we, we invest in things that don't end up having all the headaches and we don't realize that they really didn't ever really produce a return for us, but yet we may reinvest because we don't have good numbers. Were you experiencing that? Were you hearing other people? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And here's the thing, like when you, when you're a like multi, multi-millionaire, billionaire, what you have is a team that does this for you, right? You have a family office, a multi-family office or whatever. You have a team that all their job is in their life is to make sure that you're covered. You get an email from one of these investments, they'll get that email and they'll log it for you. They'll link in all your, they'll go into all your bank accounts and sort of monitor all that cash flow going in and out and they'll update your performance for you, right? And that's great. I mean, if you have, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars free a year to pay to this team, for us, we did not have that. So I wanted a software to do exactly that for me. Cause, cause, so I'll give you an example. So, it's pretty clear, you know, these syndications, you put $50,000 in, $100,000 in, right? Which is, it's fine. You get a document and then a quarter or two go by and then you start to get emails from the, from the GP of that, of that fund saying, all right, here's what's, what happened during the past quarter. This is a distribution you're going to receive, blah, 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 blah. All right. When you have one, it's easy. Four, five, six of these, shit, it's hard. And then even if you do remember what you invested when you get the email, a week or so later, you're going to get a distribution sent to your bank account. And if you're like me, you have multiple bank accounts. You don't have just one. Like, oh, what is this for? And then going, oh, look at my email. Anyway, and then updating the spreadsheet afterwards, because if you remember, you want to update your spreadsheet. And I've spoken with people that go from sticky notes on a refrigerator, like to that extreme, to people that just don't note anything, or just like once a year go over stuff when it's taxes. And that's just like a nightmare. So yeah. they, there's a whole spectrum of people out there. Well, I mean, to be honest, the the 
the hack that we had to this process is that we just started making a report every single month to the public on it, which then it leads us to scrambling, you know, 45 minutes before the podcast going, okay, what happened? Right. And, and because it's only a 30 day window, it's easier for us to find some of that data, but still not perfect. Right. We still don't necessarily have the historical data. So you guys, you and your partner are like, okay, we're not going to use spreadsheets. We're going to go find a hit engineer and we're going to try to build some level of software that will keep up with this data for us. What were like the, the issues that you guys dealt with on that, because that, that seems hard. I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not a tech guy. Obviously you are. What issues were you finding dealing with an archaic model that it was similar to the diamond world? It sounds like of how all this data can be brought to you and put in a, a single place. So I'm not a tech guy. Um, I, I'm a business operations guy, but I, I know I like tech. Um, that's why I find smart, smarter people than me uh, to, to surround myself with. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of challenges, right? When you build software, the, one of the biggest challenges is laying out how you want this thing to work. And there's so many things you want to happen. And just focusing on the one thing to start with is the biggest challenge. Um, and then after that, it's sort of the technolo technological aspects of, all right, we need to integrate with banks, which which integration service do we use? How do we ensure the highest level of security and privacy for us, right? We weren't, we weren't offering this to anyone, but just us, like if my information is out there on this server somewhere in the US, I still wanna make sure that everything's super encrypted because it's super, super private information, right? And so privacy security was a big issue for us at the beginning to make sure that we're super secure. But pretty, pretty fast, sort of, we understood that there are a lot of people like us and that we need to sort of put things on hold and research and see how many people there are like us. And then we went out to raise money for that. And then we brought in a team, like a whole team of designers, engineers, like people that are a lot smarter than us. And we built them an amazing product that is totally different what happened, what we had three years ago. And this, yeah, so you started this process in like 2020? Beginning of 2020, yeah. Yeah. And as you started creating a team, started doing some design, tell me about some of the successes that you've seen so far of you guys going down this path, not only for yourself, but for others as well. Uh, success is such a subjective term, right? Uh, I just love it that we have a product that people are using, paying for, and are receiving a lot of value from. That for me is a success. From the product, from a product standpoint, so we have I'd say four pillars in the product that are, are important achievements for us, I'd say. One of them is uh, what we call a magic box. We have this feature in the platform called a magic box. We just throw any type of financial document into it. And then we translate that, that, that into data, creating assets or updating existing assets. I'll get an email from an operator or a GP. I'll just CC them. And then the magic, it reaches the magic box automatically. And so that's sort of the sense of a family office. It's like if I is it, I remember if I was a multimillionaire, I'd have a family office, a place to throw everything at. That's sort of like what this magic magic box is for us. And then once that happens, the second cool thing is that you link in a bank account, and then we'll automatically identify transactions in your bank account and link those transactions to specific assets. So then when I get a distribution from a from a GP, it's like I don't even have to think about it. It automatically is linked to the asset. And that's, a, that's also something that we, we worked hard to achieve. 
the third point might sound, I don't know, trivial or not, but for us, it was super important because we're in wealth creation mode and I want to make sure my cash is deployed, but also that I'm not, I won't be cash poor in the, in the near future. So I'll have an available cash for the things that come up. And so we built out this whole cash planning functionality within the platform so that I can sort of see over the next few years what my cash will look like based on all my assumptions from my different holdings and then add in scenarios. Like what happens if I invest into this syndication? What happens if I go on a trip for six months with my family? What happens if I buy a new car or a boat or whatever? How will that affect cash flow? And then the fourth and last thing, which for me, that's like the ultimate success, if you want to call it, is something we just launched the other week. And that's sort of something that we've been working hard towards. And that's bringing in more transparency into this private market world. So showing our members where other people in Visor are investing anonymously and super private, but high level sort of what their asset allocation looks like, which operators or, or funds or GPs or financial products are people investing in. Um, like now, you know, last week crisis with the whole SVB issue and all that. So I want to see where, which banks are people using for their cash accounts and how much money is each of those banks at the moment. And that's yeah. super interesting information for us, right? And no doubt, no doubt. And so at what level is that provided? Is it, is it, you said it's down to the specific banks, it's down to the specific funds or uh, GPs that people are investing in? Like any other examples you can share that what somebody would experience whenever they got in to the platform from that standpoint? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I can even share a screen, but I don't know if that, that's relevant for, for the podcast, but um, you'll see sort of, all right, you'll see the asset allocations basically of, um, where other people, so you'll see the asset, asset classes and how many, like what are the percentage each person is in each of the asset classes, not each person, but overall on the platform itself. And and then here, I'll show you guys, let's share my screen. I mean, at the end of the day, like you're a new investor, what's the biggest question in the back of your mind? Where do I start? Who, right. who I mean, and, and there's no investment that is guaranteed. There's no investment that has a hundred percent safety otherwise because it's always something's at risk right but there's obviously some safety in numbers if some if there's a large percentage of people investing in one place there's a chance that that you know that place has been successful in the past and will help will continue so it can at least give you a direction to start your due diligence yeah. um, anyway I, there's a lot of value in, in my opinion of, of knowing that stuff so I mean, obviously, people will also argue the other way around, right? Madoff was a good example of that. <laughs> a lot of money there, right? Um, but, but I think it just it gives more um, insights into the private markets. And there are features we want to add on to it, even bring more insights. So this is sort of the community section of Visor, showing you how much money is currently tracked within our community, what the asset allocation looks like. So for example, out of all, all of our members, the average is 6.7% are have of their net worth is in cash and then 30% of real estate and, and so on. And then if I dive into real estate, for example, these are the actual funds, GPs that our community is investing in and how much money has been invested into each of those, how many investments have been done. And there's a threshold and there's an algorithm that sort of filters out junk data just to make sure this is, this is as accurate as can be. 
for us, it just brings so much transparency into the private markets, right? Showing this information to our members so they can make better decisions, as you mentioned. And then we want to add in, you know, discussion. So I want to be able to click, for example, on whatever MAG capital and then communicate with other people that have invested in MAG and ask them where their experience is um, and, and, and just like share, you know, as much information as possible between people anonymously. And people can opt out if they want to opt out and they don't want to share this information. That's fine. Um, but can I ask you a question of what you just said? So if, if I'm in here and I'm in this community account, I click on, you know, our, our buddy Dave Zook, the real asset investor, right? Mm-hmm. I click on that thing as a community member, I can ask a question and then other people who are investors in that could respond to my question because they would be notified. Is that how that, is that, what that well, no, so this is coming out. So you see the discussions here, that's coming soon, but the idea okay. would be, yeah. So we'll add that. So you click on a real asset investor and then you'll be able to communicate with people that have invested with them, interested in investing with them. Uh, essentially maybe even seeing which specific investments people have done within the real asset investor uh, anonymously again, but just based on that, just to give a, a very low level of data. Interesting. And people can choose once they're building out their own platform in Visor, they can choose whether or not that's bubbled up to this level or. Yeah, they can. They'll be able to, people can now just ask to, to, to opt out and not share their data anonymously with everyone else. And then if that's the case, they also won't have access to view the community, right? It's sort of a give and take methodology. Gotcha. This, this is very cool because this is something that we've talked about being able to do within our community as well. Super, super valuable what you're sharing with us. So, Latan, as far as the future looks for you, uh, this is amazing. Thank you for bringing this to our community and to our, our podcast. Um, what does it look like for you going forward? What, do, what does success look like from here? So we have so many things we want to build out in our platform to bring more value. Um, so many aspects of the platform, there's taxes, there's sort of like adding more layers of, of asset classes. There's permissions. I want to be able to give my CPA or family members access to my platform. Just a bunch of other stuff we want to add in from a product and business perspective. And so we just want to grow this to be that ultimate place where people like us go to manage their wealth at a very reasonable price and no conflict of interest, right? Because we don't touch any of the money. We don't give any advice. And so we feel that's super clean. And so we just want to grow and reach as many people like us as possible. And as a company, continue to grow and, and, and uh, you know, reach that milestone of enough members, enough customers, fundraising, profitability, and that'll just help us bring it to more people. That, that's super cool. Well, I know that um, our members are excited about having access to something like this. Um, is there a way that they can tap into that? And if so, where would you send them? Yeah, so I think we set up a link for you guys, uh, visor.co. It's V-Y-Z-R, like my shirt, um, uh, backslash Wealth Without Wall Street. And then anyone who signs up through that link automatically gets a discount for signing up for Visor. And we're super available as well if there are any questions. You can also reach out directly to me, Litan at visor.co. Email, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. I'm super available. All right, so... So team, that's B Y Z E R dot C O backslash wealth without Wall Street, and you get a ten percent discount off this amazing software. Joey and I have just recently downloaded it and are in the process of starting to put our numbers in here. And I'm 
I'm really curious if it's going to be able to beat our spreadsheet. I got a taking <laughs> suspicion that it will. <laughs> and so you may be seeing very soon a very improved uh, process as we go to report on what we're doing on a monthly basis, man. Uh, very cool the time for what you guys have created. Thank you so much for for innovating and being disruptors in the market space, especially old markets like diamonds and finance. That That's ancient. Um, and, and maybe, I don't know if that's where you, you think because being in Israel, right? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Your buildings, um, like a, a new building is uh, 5,000 years older than uh, probably the latest one here. So um, thank you so much for being here. And thank you, Tribe, for listening to this podcast. I hope you gain value. Take time to rate, review it, share it with somebody else who also has had some of these issues that Latan mentioned. And maybe this could be a tool that could help them on their path to become financially free. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.